the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken. I'm filling in today for my pastor, Pastor Ron, who is a bit under the weather. And so if you've been listening to the show recently, the last uh, couple of times he was on the air, um, his voice wasn't there yet. And well, things have progressed a little bit. He's fine. He's on um, on the track to getting better, but he didn't want to be a distraction on the radio show. So I'm filling in for him today. Uh, Lord willing, tomorrow we'll see what happens. In the meantime, our show will continue as it usually does. We're here because we want to help you fall deeper in love with Jesus. And the way we do that is by answering your Bible questions, questions about your walk with the Lord, questions about doctrine, questions about putting the Word of God into practice in your life. That's why we're here. So, since this is a live call-in show, let me give you uh, the methods in which you can contact us. The phone number to call into the show is 210-340-9585. That's 210-340-9585 if you're out of the area. We have a toll-free number. That's 877 630 5757 877-630-5757. We also have an email address. Some people prefer to send their questions that way. And so that email address is very simple. It's questions, that's plural, at calvarysa.com, questions at calvarysa.com. We have a church app. You can submit questions through that. You can also... Listen and call in through the KSLR app. There is a call now button at the top, and it'll connect you right to our radio uh, producer. So it's the Monday edition, and so that means I want to spend a minute just talking about what's going on tonight here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, It is our men's and women's and youth Bible study night. This is a night where the whole family can get together together. Tonight for the women, it is uh, Lauren Blanton that's speaking. That's Pastor Matt's wife. And so Lauren Blanton, uh, sweetheart and and great, good Bible teacher. So she is going to be teaching tonight for the women. Come and listen to her. You can watch online and listen to Lauren's heart at calvaryessay.com or even better yet, come in person. And the women get the sanctuary, and the men, well, we go off to the side into a different room. I'll be teaching tonight Romans 15, and you're welcome to join us there. The youth are taught by pastors Matthew and Pastor Chris, and they have a great time also. So bring your family. Tonight is 7 o'clock. Since it's Monday, that means yesterday was church day for you. I pray that you had a great time at church. Uh, I pray people got saved. I pray that the work of the Spirit was active in your body 
and fruit was being produced, and there's just nothing like Christians using the gifts that God has given us, empowered by the Spirit for the edification of the church. That's the reason why we do what we do. We want to see people fall deeper in love with Jesus, and I pray that's what happened at your church. Here at Calvary Chapel yesterday, we were in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, so we took a short break from our usual study with Pastor Ron going through the book of Acts. And we looked yesterday at the passage, a familiar passage, where we talked about the Word of God being living and active. And the only way it's going to be active in your life, that Word is such a beautiful Word. And it's a living book that, because the Spirit of God uses it to work in the heart of man, it comes alive in our lives, but it's got to be open. The The Word of God has got to be open. The Bible has got to be open in your lives. You've got to be reading it. You've got to be in it and it in you. When that happens, that following passage we looked at yesterday, also where Jesus is our great high priest, what a great encouragement for me personally to know that we have a great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. It gives us great comfort. It really does. Because when those moments come and we feel like we are going through the most difficult thing that any person has ever experienced in the history of mankind, sometimes that's what we feel like. Well, we can look to what chapter 2 calls our big brother, Jesus who is also our great high priest who intercedes for us on our behalf and he can sympathize with our weaknesses. I love that. So I hope you had a great Sunday. Let's continue on with our show as usual. This is a Bible question and answer show. So that means we've got some questions here. I give you the numbers you can call in or you can submit your emails or whatever works for you. The first one is from Anonymous. Here's a question. Is it possible for a person to be born again, to be a born again Christian and affiliate slash support the Democratic Party, knowing what their stances are on social issues like homosexuality, abortion, race, hustling, CRT, etc.? Well, Anonymous, you know, the way you phrase your question is quite unfortunate. Uh, Of course, it's possible for someone who affiliates with a Democratic Party or the Republican Party to be a Christian. Jesus isn't a Democrat, and Jesus also isn't a Republican. I know that may upset some people, but it's true. Now, are there some beliefs within the Democratic Party that are clearly a violation of God's word, yes. But that doesn't mean everything about the other party is correct. So we have to be careful here, Anonymous. Uh, Some people, Christians, professing Christians, if they're honest, are closely tied, more closely tied to their politics, their political beliefs, than they are to their biblical beliefs. And, and that could be a problem. And so when you look at people who have a different political persuasion than you do, we've got to fight that tendency. That's the flesh that wants to look down upon them or consider this an us versus them thing. Uh, that's the opposite of God's word. What God's word says we should do. You remember when... Uh, Ephesians and Peter talk also in in Peter's epistle he talks about Paul and Peter talk about this dividing wall between the Gentiles and the Jews and that God has removed this wall of division so that the two can become one that means these two people from different cultures different, different political backgrounds God has united in his family in the body of Christ Well, what we have done is we've created separation, again, within the body of Christ. And, you know, it's election election season. That's 
here and midterms have passed and we're ramping up into 2024. And if, you know, what happened a couple of years ago is an indication of how ugly things can get. My prayer is that those of us who are Christians would learn from our lesson and rightly represent the Lord. So the answer to your question, Anonymous, is yes. Of course it's possible that people who have a different different political party than you do could be saved. But what I tell people, what we tell people here, since we, we will never turn this into a political show, we never use the pulpit for promoting political candidates, what we do tell people is, as the Spirit of God leads you, just devote your conscience. And that's it. So, Anonymous, thank you for your question. Uh, an important one. It really is because it's something that's practical and we're going to have we're going to be dealing with this here a lot. Uh, next question comes from Christopher. He says, Pastor Ken, me and my wife I've been married for six months. Well, congratulations, Christopher. How do me and my wife agree with each other and make decisions together rather than making each other feel like we are bossing each other around? Well, Christopher, you know, this is an important question because you're newly married and and I'm assuming you're both born-again Christians. You're submitting a question to a Christian radio show, but I don't want to make that blanket statement. So if you're not born-again Christians... Oh, you say you are. Yes, you're, born again, you're both born-again Christians. Good. Um, well, that's good because what that means is, and I say this often in marital counseling, the, the role of the husband and the wife are clearly identified in the scriptures. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, right? But that doesn't mean that you're both going to be in 100% agreement about everything. And that's okay. It would be pretty weird if you agreed about every single thing. But in fact, when you do have disagreements, there is a godly way to handle these things. And it doesn't mean that disagreements turn into arguments. I mean, there are things about our personality that God has made us in a way that's unique. And so we're not going to be the same in everything, but how we handle these things is important. So when you ask, how do me and my wife agree with each other and make decisions together? Two separate things here. You're not going to agree with each other on everything. But here's what we say in counseling. The, the, as long as the husband and the wife agree to agree with Jesus, you'll be fine. The problem is when the husband has his opinions and the wife has her opinions and they come together to discuss each other's opinions and, and, and positing why each other's opinion is more valid than the other. That's when we get into trouble. And that's the way the world handles their conflict resolution. But in Christ, what we do is we, we recognize that we enter into a partnership with one another. The role of the husband and the role of the wife are both equal in terms of importance, but they're clearly defined and they're different. And so when you have a situation where you don't see eye to eye, well, you can resolve these things. You're not bossing each other around. You're looking to Jesus. He's the boss. And I think that's very important, Christopher. You also have to make sure that you remember when you professed your vows six months ago to your wife and she, her vows to you, what you told Jesus in the presence of many witnesses was that the two, you two, 
would no longer become be, be two separate, but you'd become one flesh. And that's how you agree with each other. You agree to agree with Jesus. Not your opinion, not her opinion, because your opinions don't matter. I know that's offensive to some. But if we're going to be serious about making Jesus the center of your marriage and making Jesus the center of your home, it requires us individually to put our own thoughts, our own opinions, our own proclivities and tendencies aside and say, Jesus, well, what do you want? And that's a constant thing. There's nobody that's figured it out. It's, it's you wake up every morning and you surrender yourself to Jesus for that day, putting your will aside. And, and that's what prepares you, Christopher, to lead your home by following the example that Jesus has set for us. So, Christopher, thank you for your question. I, I hope that helps. The next question comes from Jim. And the name here is Jim in Dallas. So I'm glad that you're listening, Jim. There's a very big mosque right down the, the road from my house. They are such great neighbors and do so much good for the surrounding area with free catered meals and food pantry and local area services and donations. I'm a Christian, but I get so tired of seeing other professing Christians protesting at that mosque anytime there is a negative Islam-related world event that occurs, especially when only good comes out of that place. It makes me doubt my faith as a Christian. What are your thoughts? So, Jim, a couple of things here. Your last sentence is more indicative of the rest of your question. And so let me deal with that first. When you say it, and you're referring to it, seems like the, the negative, the protesting Christians. It makes me doubt my faith as a Christian. Well, Jim, remember, your faith is not dependent upon people. Your faith is dependent upon one person, and that's Jesus Christ. So your faith is in him, and it's dependent on him. And, and so you're not going to take what other professing Christians do and use them as an example to follow. It, you know, you could take this the same way. If if you have uh, someone who, who looks negatively at Muslims simply because of what other Muslims have done, well, they're wrong. You're not, you, you can't judge an entire group of people based on what a small fraction do that isn't representative of, you know, of the whole. Now, this isn't a defense. It's not a defense of the, the Muslim faith at all because they, they definitely have a belief system that is antithetical to what we believe as Christians. However, you want to make sure that you don't fall into the same trap of judging people based on a small subset. Your eyes have to be fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that said, you know, the example I've given you is an example for you to follow from John chapter 13 when he was washing their feet. So you'll find people who don't rightly represent the Lord, and but don't worry about them. You make sure you take advantage of every opportunity, Jim, and don't let the lack of faith or the misrepresentation of Jesus and other professing Christians take your attention off of Jesus. And, you know, that's a great witness to your Muslim neighbors. 
you know, I'm sure that the people who are in that mosque are looking at the protesters and, you know, maybe not such a great witness. But you have the unique opportunity of recognizing what's going on, Jim, and saying, well, maybe I have a different way or I have an avenue of witnessing to my Muslim friends because of the good that they're doing in the neighborhood. And we could use that and as a springboard to launch into a conversation about Jesus without getting distracted by the other protesters or those who have a negative attitude. So, Jim, I hope that helps. Thank you for your question. Let's go right to our phone lines. Uh, we have Ruben, uh, line one from Seguin. Ruben, you're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ken. How are you doing today, sir? Ruben, I'm doing very well. Thank you. That's good. That's good. Um, if I may, may I just really quick, I have a very, very important question to ask you, but I just wanted to thank God for something huge. Um, sure. I wanted to thank God today. I wanted to thank God today because he allowed me another day of life. Um, and it means a lot to me. Um, this is my first birthday without my mom and it hurts. It was my first Thanksgiving without my mom and it hurts. And, you know, I'm, I'm dealing, dealing with it. And, but I just thank God that, that if it weren't for her, I would not be here like literally. And, and as a Christian, because she gave her life to Christ when I was a baby. So I've known yes. nothing but Christ growing up. So oh. I thank God for that. Absolutely. So I really thank God. And I thank God because in the middle of all of my physical disabilities and incapabilities, God has been there for me. Absolutely. And, and you know, this morning... When I got on Facebook and I want I I went to start typing, I wanted to thank God for another day of life. Uh, I started typing that. Then I went to start typing, even though I'm in so much pain every single day, and even though this and even though that, I felt the Lord stop me and said, "Wait, are you going to give me thanks or are you going to complain?" Mm. <laughs> and to me, to me, I felt that was, you know, he really said, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to give me thanks or are you going to complain about it? And I said, oh, God, forgive me. So I deleted it. I just deleted it, deleted it. And I just went back to saying, good. I want to thank God for another day of Very life, good. another year of life. And I didn't write anything negative. And I just wanted to thank God about that. Good for you, Ruben. And I, just, and I, I just think that's, like, that's godly discernment. Yes, I believe. I definitely I, you know, I, because it wasn't giving God any honor after I just said, thank you. Then I want to complain, you know, about what, you know, and it wouldn't <laughs> have made any sense. It wouldn't have made any sense at all. So it was discernment. It was, and thank God. And then what I really, what I wanted to ask you, sir, was, Pastor, can you enlighten me on, um, as a man, um, um, come up with these temptations that men um, deal with. And I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. Because um, I just don't want to make anybody else uncomfortable, but um, I'm pretty sure you could, you know, deduce in your mind what yes. I'm talking about. Um, Absolutely, like really. Week, <laughs> last week, for like four days, bombardment, bombardment, bombardment out of nowhere. And it was like so intense, the urges and everything. I was like, oh, my God, what? where did they come from? And I, and then I'm just asking, you know, I'm asking God, I'm like, God, look. <laughs> you know, I what I want, want to know is why, why, why do they come out of nowhere? Like, well, just out of so nowhere. Ruben, I can help. I can help. We're running up here close to the break, and so you bring up great points. Let me touch on them quickly and then elaborate if I need to. 
after the break because we're inside of uh, two minutes here, close to one minute. Here's what I want you to do. Read carefully 1 Corinthians chapter 6, especially the last part of that chapter. And and also remember, uh, later on, Paul reminds us that these types of temptation, any type of temptation is common to all man. So you're not the only one dealing with these things, but God gives us the power of his spirit to say no. Titus chapter 2, to say no to ungodliness. And so when these attacks happen, uh, we can't be surprised because this is constantly going on. And when the attacks happen, if we're not taken off guard, we're not surprised by that. We will be prepared because our minds will be set on the Word of God. And so when we do receive, and the mind is the battlefield for spiritual warfare. And so I want you to consider this, Reuben. Um, I'll have a little bit more to elaborate on after the break. Um, you can hear the music, but I really want you to focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the end of that. Um, so you can hear the music. Like I said, this is the end of the first half of the Word to Stand On for Life. The Monday edition will be back in two minutes. back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the Monday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken, and I'm filling in for Pastor Ron today. If you're just tuning in, he is a bit under the weather, and so in the meantime... I'll be filling in for him, and our show will continue as usual. We're here to take your Bible questions, questions about uh, Jesus, questions about uh, how to put the Word of God into practice in your life, uh, questions about Bible doctrine, uh, all these things we want to make available to you, uh, help to understand so that you could uh, let the Word of God change your heart and change your life, and as a result, you you fall deeper in love with Jesus. And that's ultimately what our goal here is on the Word to Stand On for Life. So with that, let me give you the phone numbers to call in. 210-340-9585. That's 210-340-9585. There's a toll-free number if you're out of the area. 877-630-5757. 877-630-5757. If you've got an email address too, you can use that. Questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, was just Let me follow up with uh, Ruben's call. And so I don't think he's on the line with us anymore, but he had uh, a couple of important things to mention. So uh, Ruben... And to anyone else that's listening, the last part of your call dealt with um, struggles, struggles of the flesh. And the implication is there when you said it was man things. This is um, things that we've got to deal with, not just men, but men and women. Every one of us have flesh. And, And if it's especially in the area of sexual immorality. This is one of the things that our society around us is built in such a way to where temptation to sin sexually is everywhere. And left alone to use our own strength, we have no chance. I don't care how strong your faith is. What you have to do is Stay with Jesus. Be with him every moment of the day. I remember your call last week, uh, Reuben, and you said something similar. These struggles, these these battles have been going on for a while and have really intensified lately. Well, here's what you do. You open your Bible 
open the curtains, let some light into your room, and, and you let the Word of God speak to your heart. Now, before the break, what I told you was you got to look real closely at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Many other passages that could similarly be encouraging, but this is why I say 1 Corinthians 6, because Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, is addressing this very issue. And he says here, flee, run away, flee from spiritual, um, from, from sexual immorality. He says, all are the sins a man commits outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? And here's the application. You are not your own. You have been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. When your mind is set on Jesus, when you're with him, this is the way you'll think. When your flesh wants to sin against God, you'll remember, the Spirit of God will remind you, hey, why am I even thinking about doing something with something that doesn't even belong to me? Your body is not your own. You have been bought at a price. And so what right do you have over another man's servant? Well, we, we're not going to judge somebody else and tell them what to do with their body in the same way that you belong to Jesus because of the price that he paid for you. You're not your own. He owns you. You belong to him. And therefore, you can't sin with your body. And I'm also reminded, uh, Romans chapter 6, I think it's in verse 13, where Paul writing to the church there in Rome says, what we are to do, what we ought to do with our bodies is live as those who have been brought from life I'm sorry, from death to life, as those who have been brought from death to life. You see, a lot of us give into our struggles because we forget that we should be dead. We forget that we were dead and we've been brought to life, been made alive. We've been born again. And there is maybe an initial celebration because you recognize that you should be dead. But what happens over time is we spend our lives apart from Jesus. We sort of lose that gratitude that says that I really should be dead. And when we grow in our faith and we grow deeper in love with Jesus, we still should stay close enough to that moment of salvation to where we, we remember what it was like or the glimpse of the pain that we were in when we didn't know him. That keeps us close to him. And if you remember that you are one that has been brought from death to life, you won't sin. When you are with Jesus, we say all the time, be with Jesus, just be with him. When you're with him, you're not going to sin. Your mind, even if there are thoughts that come in, they, those thoughts don't have to stay there. The Spirit of God will tell you, the thought is not from me, and you just get rid of it. It doesn't matter where it came from. That was the part of your question too, Reuben. Why are they intensifying? Where are these thoughts coming from? Listen to this, Reuben. It doesn't matter where those thoughts are coming from. It could be from you, your own flesh. It could be from somebody else. It could be from the enemy. It could be from our society and the billboards we see on the freeway. It doesn't matter. I think it's one of those traps that the enemy sets before us to appeal to our investigative nature, which really is our flesh, that wants to find out, okay, why did they say this? And where is this coming from? And why did they just attack me right now? It's a trap. There's no need to spend time on figuring out the source of that attack. All you need to do is ask yourself one question. Jesus is this thought from you? 
if it isn't, then you don't spend another second on it. If it is, then you dwell on it. You meditate on it. And that's how a Christian produces fruit in their lives, even in the middle of the most intense attacks. Last thing is the first part of your question or the first part of your call. You know, uh, what you said about being grateful and thanks and, and having a, a, a thankful attitude. You know, we just passed the Thanksgiving holiday. And this is a time where most of the country, even those that aren't Christians, sort of reflect on, on how blessed they've been. Some even professing to be Christians but aren't really Christians cry out to a God that they don't know because it's sort of the the cultural, traditional thing to do. But true thanksgiving is recognizing that you have been forgiven of your sin. And even though your life has difficulty and pain and hardship now, you'd mentioned that this is the first Thanksgiving you'd spent apart from your mom. And I could hear the pain in your voice, Reuben. And there are others going through that same thing. We, we have people within our body here that are going through that same thing. Holidays are really tough. It's hard not to think back on the previous holidays when you spent them together with the loved one that's no longer here. But in those times, you don't dwell on your emotions, but you let the Lord deal with those emotions in your heart so that you, even in the middle of pain and hurt and sorrow, can still honor God in your life. It doesn't mean you pretend to be happy. It doesn't mean you're jumping for joy because you're, you're, you're hurting. That's not real. But what it does mean is that even when things are hard, you know, Philippians chapter 3, verse one, I think it is, says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. Paul saying like in the middle of hardship, what we have to do is fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way we're going to be able to rejoice even in the middle of pain. That's how he carries us through difficult times. And so, Reuben, thank you for your call. I, I, I didn't want to spend that long on it, but I think it was important enough to elaborate because uh, you're one that's been uh, on my heart and the heart of many radio listeners for so long. You've been a faithful caller and faithful listener for so many years. And it's almost as if we've lived with you through these difficult times and watched the Lord show off and watched the Lord hold you when things don't go the way that you expected. So our hearts are with you definitely, Ruben. Thank you again for your call. Uh, let's move on to our next call. Uh, we have a quick question here that's been just submitted. So this is a great one. From our email inbox, from Mackenzie. And she's a 12-year-old from the Academy. God made water animals on day five and land animals on day six. Yes. Frogs spend their early life in the water. So were frogs created on day five or day six? Also, were flightless birds like penguins made on day five or day six? This is a great question. Now, Mackenzie, I will say this um, up front, uh, the Bible doesn't make a an explicit distinction between the species and where they were, uh, what day they were created. I think the categorization of land animals on day six and water animals on day five is meant to be general. So, however, if I were to give you an answer, uh, I would say that the the frogs are probably considered born in the water but lived their life on on the land it could have been either day it could have been either day for them 
probably in the water, but that's just a guess. The Bible doesn't exactly say. But I, I love the way you think. And that's really what I want to say, because, you know, whether it comes to the flightless birds, like the penguins, same thing. Birds live in the air by and large, but there are flightless birds that live on the land. They live on the land. Maybe they were created on day six. They live in the sea. Maybe they were created on day five. But either way, what this tells me, Mackenzie, is that when you read, you're reading critically. And that's a good thing. It, it You use the Bible to jog your critical thinking. And I'm telling you, Mackenzie, this is such a... A beautiful thing. I wish more people your age would get this. The fact that at your age, uh, you're thinking this deeply about the scriptures and, and applying it to your lives is a foundation that is being established in you that it's going to be tremendously fruitful in your future. So though my answer is not explicit uh, and definitive, just what my personal thoughts are. What I do want to do, uh, what I do want to say is I, I commend your thinking and I commend your question because what an encouragement to think that deeply about the scriptures. Oh, Mackenzie, thank you. That's a great question. Keep your questions coming. Our next one is from Charles. Charles says, what's the difference between Gog and Magog in the final battle of Armageddon. And he says here, referencing Ezekiel 38 and and 39. So, Charles, this is a good question. We get this one not often, but every once in a while. It's because of people's interest and in even in some cases infatuation with the end times. Gog and Magog are... are one of the terms uh, the people groups mentioned, and it's really it's interesting because there's really only two places where Gog and Magog are discussed, Ezekiel 38 and 39, like you mentioned, and also in Revelation chapter 20. Now, a quick distinction between the two, then I'll focus in on your specific question. When we read about Gog and Magog in Revelation 20, this is after the, the millennial reign, so it's after the thousand-year period. So there's a big gap between what's discussed in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and Revelation 20, at least a thousand years. And so with that, when you read about Gog and Magog in Revelation 20, you understand that this is a different circumstance and a different time with different people. So the mention of Gog and Magog in Revelation 20 is probably symbolic of the rebellious people that were fighting uh, against Jesus at the time, after the thousand-year reign. Remember, this is when the devil will be released against Satan, will be out. And as he is released, he will deceive the nations in Revelation 20. They'll deceive the nations, Gog and Magog, and gather them together for battle. So that's probably a reference to uh, the, the attitude of the rebellious people that are gathering together to fight against Jesus. Now, back in your passage, which you reference in Ezekiel 38, uh, who are Gog and Magog? Magog, we remember, is the name of Noah's grandson from Genesis chapter 10. What we learn about Magog is that his descendants really settled into a specific area, the the north of Israel, far north, really, to what we would call Eastern Europe and even Russia. That's why a lot of commentators and scholars will say that Gog and Magog refer to to Russia, 
These were people, we learned in Ezekiel 38 and 39, who were great fighters. And here's what we learned, though, that this battle between Gog and Magog and Israel. Now, now Magog would be the land, and Gog would be the leaders of those people that would attack Israel. And that's what we learn is going to happen. Now, this hasn't happened yet. It will happen at a future time, uh, likely uh, right around the early part of the tribulation, the time of judgment, or, or, or right before. Either way, it'll be when Russia attacks Israel. And what we learn is that God will defend Israel at that time. God will protect them, Israel. But that's what that uh, study, uh, that passage is about. And so your question about the Gog and Magog and the final battle of Armageddon is going to be uh, probably people from the north, again, a reference to to Russia, Magog being the land and, and Gog being the leadership, will rise up with the people to fight against Israel. And this is going to be at a future time. Again, separate from what we read in Revelation chapter 20. So thank you for your uh, question, Charles. That's, a, that's an interesting one, a good one. The next question is, is one from Janet. Janet says, I know Joseph was a picture of Jesus. He was a man who seemed sinless. Was he sinless? If not, why does the Bible only show that he was without sin? Could man really be perfect? Janet, this is a good question. So you're right in the sense that Joseph, along with Daniel, is one of the very few characters of the Bible that really nothing bad is mentioned about them. And what we learn from that is the character of that person really seeing a type of Christ. It doesn't mean that they were perfect or sinless. It's, it just simply means that the Bible doesn't record anything uh, or any sin that they did. Now, what we do know is that Romans chapter 3 tells us that all have sinned. That includes Daniel. That includes Joseph. But the Bible doesn't record any specific sin that they did. And so we don't want to misunderstand that to mean that they were perfect. And, you know, remember this too. When the Bible is written, it's written in a way to where we see just what the Spirit of God recorded. It's not meant to be um, you know, a, a play-by-play uh, recording or a day, uh, a daily recording of everything that transpired in the lives of these people. Uh, all it is is a recording of what the Holy Spirit wants us to know about Joseph and what the Holy Spirit wants us to know about Daniel. And the reason why is because uh, there are things about their character that point to Jesus. Again, Joseph being a type of Jesus... He was one, like you said, seemed sinless, but he wasn't. But he responded to the temptation of sin. Remember, Potiphar's wife lured him or tried to lure him into sin. Well, because he had a sinful nature just like us, what the Bible describes is that Joseph fleed from sin. What I read there from 1 Corinthians 6 would be applicable to Reuben flee from sexual immorality. Well, that's exactly what Joseph did. So there's lessons there. There's examples there of what regular people, just like you, just like me, Janet, can look to people in the Bible and say, well, they weren't perfect, even if the Bible doesn't record any sin that they did. But because we know everyone has sinned, this is how they responded. And, and so I hope that helps. They weren't sinless. They weren't perfect. They needed a Savior. They were sinners in need of a Savior just like you and me. 
Thank you for your question, Janet. We, we're right inside two minutes. I, I think I have one quick question here. I can't take any more calls, but this one is a good one. Anonymous, the key to Christian living seems so simple. Just be with Jesus. Why is it so hard for many? What is your advice for ones having the hardest time with it? Anonymous, you're probably from our church or your regular listener here because you use that phrase that we say all the time, just be with Jesus. And yes, it is simple. It's simple because we want your relationship to, with Jesus to be easy to understand. When you're with him, you're not going to sin. When you're apart from him, you will sin. The reason why it's hard for so many is because we love our sin more than we love Jesus. We love our sin more than we love Jesus. And, and this requires a conscious effort on our part to say no to our flesh every moment of every day and say yes to Jesus. And there are times when it's easier to say no to the flesh, but there are a lot of other times when it's really hard, when we get offended, when we get disrespected, when things don't turn out the way we want. Well, that's when our flesh rises up and we, we want to sin. We want to get angry. We want to stand up for ourselves. We want to go and blow off some steam. We want to go have a drink or do drugs or something to, to ease the tension. All of that is our flesh. So when we say, just be with Jesus, we're saying, die to our flesh and be with him. I hope that makes sense, Anonymous. Hey, that's the music, so that means we're at the end of the Monday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Kent, and I might see you tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. AM 630, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.